Okay. All right. Well, you know, there's a couple of ways that you can make me cry. One is a really good swift kick in the knee. That's speculative because you better be spot on and you better be moving. (laughs) Or when Anna sings Sweetly Broken and she gets me every time with that song. So that was just beautiful, beautiful worship. Wonderful. Um, this uh, this weekend we had um, a couple of things going on yesterday. There was a, um, a kid Olympics here, and uh, a lot of you guys came out and helped out with that, and your kids were involved in that and, and things, and it was just a, a wonderful time, and, and many thanks to you that came out to help with that and everything, and it, the kids had a blast, it was, had a really good time, and just enjoyed themselves, and so it was a really cool thing. And then um, right down the street here, there was an outreach that was um, with um, multiple churches, and it's something that we've never done before. We were involved with other Christian churches in the area to do an outreach, and it was at the High Desert Baptist Church, and um, Blessings All Broken was there, and uh, Debbie Angstrom and uh, Craig was there, and then Brad from the Drug and Alcohol Ministry was there, and and so, and then Pastor Zeke and Abram uh, sang, and it was just... Yeah, I know, I know. And, and that was a blessing. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, but it was just a wonderful outreach. And what was really cool was that Jeff Muse and the Men's Fellowship came, and they were such a blessing. They were there with uh, Bill doing the hot dogs, and, and it was really, really hot. And uh, they stayed there the whole day, and they helped us tear things down and, and everything, and uh, it was just a real, real blessing. And so if you guys, uh, you know, uh, aren't involved in some kind of a Bible study or something, um, it's here. They, ha- they have a Bible study here on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, and you should come over here and get check it out. Jeff is just starting the book of Hosea. It's a wonderful uh, Bible study. He's a really good teacher, and I know that you will enjoy it. So come on over here and check it out. They have, like, you know... Uh, bagels and donuts and different things there you know to start off with and and so it's just a really cool time and they have prayer and everything so please come out and check that out it's just a wonderful time and and i know that you will enjoy it well um we're going to be in colossians chapter three but before we get there we're going to be in philippians chapter three before we get there so just a word of warning because i do move around on occasion and so we will be in Philippians 3, then we'll be in um, Colossians chapter 3. Whenever, when we get saved and we start, you know, um, uh, building up our, our, you know, relationship with God and we, we uh, start to, uh, you know, read different things and, and examine things and that sort of thing, we, we gain um, uh, certain authors that's our favorite. And uh, I know Pastor Zeke has talked about Warren Wiersbe and how he enjoys his teaching. And Jacob talked about him on Thursday, how he enjoys that teaching and or, or his, um, you know, uh, you know, his thoughts on, on what the word means and that sort of thing. And you can gain clarity when you go and you, you look at these things and you get some understanding of what the word's talking about. And it's, it's really useful. Myself, I enjoy Oswald Chambers. You might know his... Uh, his devotion, um, you know, uh, his utmost, my utmost for his highest. Is that it? Yeah. 
my utmost for his eyes? Okay. I have to check and make sure that... Yeah, yeah, I do read him, though, for real. Um, my utmost for his highest. And, and it's a daily devotion. It's, it's like getting up in the morning, and if you... You know, you can either have a good swift kick in the groin, or you can read that. You know, either one will bring you to your knees. You know, it's a guarantee. You know, and, and it's powerful. It's wonderful. His teaching is, is just awesome. And, and, and the clarity that he brings to the Word... And so what I want to do is uh, I want to read um, <clears throat> a little bit of a passage. He's a, he was a Scottish um, evangelist and a teacher, and uh, he was um, used by God right around the turn of the 20th century, and he passed away at a young age. He was only 43 when he passed away. He, he was in, at a YMCA center in Egypt during World War I. And uh, he um, came down with appendicitis, and uh, because of the, he didn't want to take up a bed at the hospital, you know, where the soldiers may need, you know, the hospital bed, he wouldn't go to the hospital to get this taken care of. Eventually, they had to do emergency uh, surgery on him, and unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, his wife Gertrude could take shorthand at 250 words per minute. And because she could do that, she wrote down pretty much most of his sermons and his lessons verbatim. Every word she wrote down. And then after he passed away, she typed them all out, and many of them are published. And so when we look at his his uh, teachings and that sort of thing, we get exactly his words and how he phrased things. And so it's just uh, you know it's it's just a a, a wonderful teaching source. And so um, what I want to look at here is uh, uh, out of a book called So uh, Send I You. And we're going to then uh, look at this and then I will get into looking at the word here. Um, Let's pray first before we do this. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to lift up this time to you and praise you, Lord, for your word and just for your teaching and the great love that you show upon us. And, and uh, just pray that uh, we can just grow in you and know you better when we leave here today, Father. And Lord, we, your word is so serious and it's so important to our lives, Father. And I pray that it will be uh, just, you just hide it away in our hearts, Lord. And that our desire will be only for you. We honor and worship you, Lord, and give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in the book, So Send I You, this is from Oswald Chambers. He says, We are in the quarry now, and God <clears throat> is hewing us out. God's Spirit gathers and marks the stones, and then they have to be blasted out by their holdings, uh, of their holdings by the dynamite of the Holy Spirit to be chiseled and shaped and then lifted into the heavenly places. God grant that many may go through the quarrying and the chiseling and the placing, Think of the scrutiny of Jesus Christ that each one of us has to face. Think of his eyes fastening on us and pointing us out before God as he says. Check this out. Father, that is my work. That is the meaning of Gethsemane. That is the meaning of Calvary. I did all that man's work in him, all that woman's work in her. Now you can use them. What an awesome thing. You know, if we can get this into our head, it's incredible. God is so intimate. He is so personal with us. 
He wants to make good. He wants us, you know, to to just to grow and to be close and and encourage and and he just loves us so much, you know. That and and that and when you read something like this and how he examines us and he knows every part of us and he molds and shapes and hewns us out and then he presents us to the Father and says, here. You use this one is ready to be used. He didn't ask me. He's presenting you to the Father and saying, You are ready. That's incredibly intimidating. I mean, if I had a choice, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second, Lord, I, He's not talking about me. Not me. No, He has. And the cool part of this is He says that this is my redemption, this is it. He has redeemed us. This is redemption. You are redemption. And this is a real game changer when it comes to my relationship with God. My relationship with God is extremely personal. It's mine alone. There's, there's no one else. And so when, when, <clears throat> when I begin to, to recognize that the focus is all on Him and not on me, then it really begins to change things in my life. When I got saved, I wanted to be a good guy. I wanted to do everything right, and, I, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to really try to, to do good. And, and I was successful in some places, and sometimes I would make it, but a lot of times I fell and I got messed up and I, and I didn't do things the way I was supposed to and it was all waning back and forth and all that sort of thing and stuff. What he's saying here is, is that the focus is on Christ, not on me trying to be a good guy. That's what I want to do ultimately, but, but the focus is on Christ and to know Him and to grow in Him. In Philippians chapter 3, look starting at verse 8. This is how the Apostle Paul uh, presents it. He says, Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Interesting, very interesting. It's all stuff is rubbish and, and, and the gain is Christ. And, and we'll say this a lot of times, like, eh, you know, I don't care what I got, you know, Jesus is what's important. Yeah, but, you know, just put a crease in my car, you know, and all of a sudden that changes things and I'm freaking, you know. But, but he's just saying everything. He had it. He lost it. It's okay. I'm okay because it's Christ. And, and what his focus was and what was important and what was riches to him, check this out. And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the rich, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I lay on that I may hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as having apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, 
Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it, even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In verse 11, he says, If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In verse 10, I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. His desire was to see Christ, to focus on him. It was all about that. He was always wanting to look up. He wanted to get to that place where he he was to attain the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifted him from among the dead while he was here. He wanted to know as He is known. That's what He desired to be here. He didn't want to just be a good guy. And all the junk that happened to Him and everything that happened and all the thrashing in His body was tore up and, and just slammed all the time and the, and the hurt and the pain and everything that He went through and, and the, you know, just everything that happened to Him. The continuance of that. He always had this. And his desire was to ever look up and to ever know Christ and to grow in that to the point that the power of the resurrection was evident in his life and he walked in that here. He wasn't looking, you know, he wanted to go and he even said that, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm ready to go, you know, but, you know, I'm here because of you. And that's a good thing, and I want to do whatever it is that God wants me to do here. He wanted this power of resurrection that, that brought him from the dead. He wanted to live that here. Unreal. So when we go over, and, and he continues this, it, you know, as, as we go through and we look at the different things in Colossians chapter 3, it's the same thing. <clears throat> he just continues this on. get to where I get preaching like that and I start losing my voice. I have to keep myself wouldn't be liquefied, it would be what? Hydrated. There you go. Thank you. Because my brain is liquefied, but that's something oh that's for something else. We'll cover that at a later date. Thank you. <clears throat> Colossians chapter three. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. You are raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. You see... The foc- my focus is on Him. And so when I try to do what's right, when I try to, to just try to get along in this life, I lose and, and, and I don't make it. He's telling me here that, you know, that you're raised. And so He says, set your mind on the things above, not on things on earth. And this is awesome. Because when I have troubles and they flare up, 
and then I get on those and I stay on those. And, and that's when I start to, to really waver and I have a problem. When my problems begin to dictate my life, then I start to lose and I start to stumble and I start to getting caught up in, in into places. And, I, and I'm a good guy. I don't want to be like that. I, I, I want my walk to be straight. I want it to be strong. But the problems will overtake what it is that I, the focus that I need to be because the focus is on that. Here he's saying, put your things on the things above. Set your mind there. Don't get caught up in the problem. Get caught up in the solution and that's Christ. He says, look at Him. Start setting your mind on that. Start looking up. And when you start looking up, then it can all of a sudden the solutions can start to to happen. And then all of a sudden you have the ability and the power to deal with whatever it is that's come up against you. He says here, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's it. That is the answer. That is the solution. That is the beginning and the middle and the end. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life became hidden with Him in God. And when that happened, then you have the power of the universe then to build upon. And if you set your mind on the things above, then you grow in those things and you focus on that, and then you can deal with life. If you try to just do good and stay in the groove and get along, you may be stumbling and, and falling and everything, and it seems like you know this thing just ain't working for me. You know, I try, but it's just not that good. I, I don't know. I, I don't want. I want to do better. How can I do better? He's saying, focus above everything, not just a little bit. I don't want to all of a sudden get crashed down to the bottom of the mountain with boulders on me and then say, Lord, help me. He's like, you know, when you're on the edge of the precipice, then you start praying or before you ever even get close. Make sure that your focus is on Him and so when the boulders do come, and they will, then you can handle it and you have the ability to deal. And so... He says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So our life is hidden with Him and we're going to come back with Him in glory. He is our life. And that's the difference between life and death. That's what's the problem with this world. The world is dead. And so we want to focus on the things that are of Christ because that's life. We're alive in that. That's how. That's why we're alive. And remember, He's presenting you to the Father and saying, this is Calvary. This is Gethsemane. He said, and then He's presenting you and saying, this one's ready to be used. You're ready. And so we make ourselves open and available. Trust Him. <clears throat> to where He wants us to be. Let's turn over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, looking at verse 13, He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. He is saying, who is among you who is wise and intelligent? 
Let him by his noble living show his good works with unobtrusive humility, which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. Now this comes, unobtrusive humility comes from the Amplified. And so when I read this, I was looking at this and I was thinking about it. And so Lori was there and so I said, um, so I said to her, unobtrusive humility um, uh, is the proper attribute of true wisdom. And she said, no, it's not. And I said, she goes, and I said, why is that, you know? And she said, they're two different things. They're, they're both attributes. And she goes, no way. I guess it is. And she's my authority on things like this. And so um, uh, unobtrusive would be, you know, I'm not moving away from the pulpit on this one because I like to preach and wander around, but I can't say unobtrusive unless I read it. So unobtrusive is means um, not attracting attention to yourself. Unobtrusive humility is the kind of humility that comes from godly wisdom from true godly wisdom. It isn't the kind, you know, that that I'm just getting smart or whatever. It's the kind of wisdom that's going to, as God increases, as our focus on Jesus increases, as that all moves up, then I decrease. And it's a kind of a humility that is not evident. I'm not going to wander around whipping myself, saying I'm all so humble, you know, and everything because, you know, God's number one and that sort of thing. That's not what it is. It becomes one that doesn't attract attention. In fact, the natural progression is, is that Christ becomes the center. He increases and I diminish. And, and it's all the focus is on Him and it's not something that you're going to pay attention to or you have to strive to or say, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's not like some kind of a earthly diet thing where I'm not going to eat that. You know, so, you know it, it isn't anything like that. This is something to where you're actually going to um, he he becomes number one, and the focus is on him. And you're looking up. Your mind is set on on the things above. Your focus is on that, and you begin to diminish as your focus on him grows, and you increase in that. And that's what he's talking about. Galatians six four says, "Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another." Your relationship with God is your own. It isn't based on anybody else or anything else. It is yours. It isn't anything else. And so if, if there's something there that begins to, to creep in or, or someone or something that can separate that out, then that needs to be dealt with. But the focus is on Christ and you grow in Him and Him alone. Everything else begins to fall into place. And it becomes very evident in this you know, that, that trying to just maintain and be a good guy, that's not cutting it. I have to focus on Him and I have to desire then that, you know, uh, that redemption and to walk in that and not in, you know, um, just trying to focus on problems and do good. Colossians 3.3 3, again, we have died and our lives are hidden with Christ in God. So as we go back to Colossians chapter 3 and we start with verse 5 then, then we have things that we have to take care of, we have to do. 
Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Put to death your members. The word members is limbs. That's what it means, like arms and legs. It's a part of our body. That's what he's referring to here. In fact, Jesus in 5.30, Matthew 5.30 says, If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body be cast into hell. Romans 6.13, the apostle says, Don't... Um, Don't present your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness, but present your members as instruments of righteousness. These are both the same words that he's using here. This term members, these are limbs which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. They are arms and legs. They are things that are attached to us. There are things that we exercise and they get stronger. And we things we want to hang on to, they're attached. And sometimes I try to suppress some kind of a desire or some kind of a thing that's going on in my life as if it's just going to kind of melt and go away on its own. He says put them to death. It's about, he says, get rid of it. Stop it. It's something that needs to die that's in my life. And I allow it to continue to grow and fester. And when I allow these things to grow and fester and I allow them exercise and allow them to get stronger, then they dictate my life. And I don't have the focus on where it needs to be on the things above. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember that. And then then because of that, I have the ability to put to death these things. The world can't do it. He goes on and says here that, you know, the world, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And here is where the rubber meets the road. Because when the way this world is, it's not going to fix itself. You go online right now and you can click on Fox News and you look at those headlines and they make you sick to your stomach. Can't handle that. Go look at the drudge. Go look up and down those, those uh, headlines. The world has gone insane. And I guarantee you it will not get better. It is not going to fix itself. Yeah, man, but we can only hope. Well, you can hope. Go for it. You can hope and hope and hope and hope and hope. Without the redemption of Christ, it is only going to get worse. And we know this. I can cover my, myself up. I can, you know, crawl under the bed and hide. I could even put on a blindfold and stuff, you know, and just stay under there and shiver. You know what? The world's going to still go on and it's going to still be the same and everything is going to happen. This, this world is going down in flames. And God's wrath is coming upon it. He says so. And it's going to happen. And so, the world cannot fix itself. Now, where this becomes evident for us, and important for us, is that the world needs to see us as Jesus. 
you know, he can do all kinds of, of ways to to uh, change this world or, or you know, to, you know, um, witness and that kind of stuff. We want, it, we, want, we would like, you know, we think about that, you know, why don't, why doesn't God just ride in the sky, you know, you know, I'm real, you know, and just a big giant hand, you know. There's still people aren't going to believe that. They're not going to receive that. You know what they're going to receive? They're going to see your life, and he knows this. That's why he did it this way. He knows that that um, <clears throat> the world needs to see us as him, and our focus must be to attain that spiritual and moral resurrection that lifted us from among the dead, and they, he wants, and that needs to be seen here. Our focus is on His redemption. Our focus is on Christ. And it's a, a moral and spiritual, that moral and spiritual um, resurrection that happened when, that saved us from the dead is what needs to be evident in our lives so that other people can get saved so they can see that. If my problems are dictating my life and where I'm going, then I am always going to be defeated and people are going to see that defeat and then things aren't going to move. And then I'm not any different than anybody else. But if they see the difference in my life of Christ, no matter what, then that's going to make a difference. And it doesn't matter how many, how many times he writes on walls or, or whatever other kind of funky stuff that we would like to see him do, you know, turn the sky red and, you know, have Skittles fall from it or some kind of nonsense, you know, or something. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that he could do that would be so killer and we would believe, you know. What about the dude that was in hell? And he said, hey, you know, go send somebody back up there and tell them, you know, what's going on so they won't wind up here with me. And he's going, man, if someone even raises from the dead, they're not going to believe. Wow. It happened. And it happens now. But that hasn't happened to you. You believe. You received Him as Lord and Savior. You've been prevented. You've been given to the Father and saying, this one's ready to use. That's you. You're in that spot. You are the redemption. You are Calvary. You are Gethsemane. You're there in that place ready to be used by God. You've already been presented to God. And you're ready to be used. I don't want to be used. You know? No, you're there. You're ready. And He's the one that's pulling the strings. And God's got it set up. He said He's done the work in you. You're ready to go. And so now He's presented you to the Father. And we're not in this place. And He's going to use us. Because you used to be in that place. We lived in sin. Those members were dragging us into the grave. They had a hold of us. And without the redemption of Christ, then they don't go away. And we're going into the ground. We're going to hell. It's pulling us in. We can't get away. Those those hands. You ever see those movies? You know the you know the hand comes out of the grave and grabs the guy. Ah! They're like you know and stuff. That's what it's like without Christ. That's not even a joke. That's the way it is, man. You're grabbed and you're going down. You can put to death that stuff through the redemption of Christ. Everybody has that option, and if you've received Him as Lord and Savior, you've done that. Your life is hidden with Christ now. That doesn't dictate your life anymore. Don't allow it to. It doesn't happen. 
And so then, we go on here. <clears throat> but, but now you yourselves are to put off these things, all these, all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. <clears throat> so then, we're also to put away, and the Amplified makes this more interesting, anger, rage, bad feelings towards each other, curses, slander, foul-mouthed abuse, and shameful utterances. It occurred to me that these are outward fruit of the other members, that, that junk that's in there. That, that stuff that's already there, that, that, you know, the fornication and the uncleanliness and those kinds of things, those kinds of things I can keep covered up, you know. I can even shred them up and make them into little pieces and tuck them away all kinds of sides of myself so that I got little pieces of that junk that I can always bring out and stuff and save. I always got a little bit of fornication I can hide off somewhere or some kind of uncleanliness or filthy thing or something. It all starts to come out right here. When you're talking about anger and rage and bad feelings and cursing and slander and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances, boy, it comes out quick. And it becomes very, very evident. And that's my relationship with God when these things start happening. And that's when I really need to start dealing. Oh, I may be saved, but what kind of a position am I in when this kind of thing is going on? Where am I at when this becomes evident in my life and I stay in that? You know, then, you know, I'm not living that. I don't have that freedom. I don't have that, you know, move of God. And, and then all of a sudden he gets shut down in my life because of the sin that I allow to. And I'm, allow, I'm exercising those members. If I start dealing with this stuff and I start dealing with the other stuff that he talks about in these two lists he gives us here, and I start putting this stuff to death, they both will start to go away and diminish. And the one is fruit of the other, but as I deal with these things, they begin to diminish and I can put those things to death in Christ. Oh, come on, man, I'm a little bit mean, you know, and I... You know, I'm not some kind of monster, but yeah, I have my moments. You know, after all, I'm only human, right? I mean, you know, hey, you know. So I got a little bit of meanness there, you know, big deal. Well, let's go back over to James, because if you ever have a question about something, and James, he'll always set you straight. <clears throat> and so... James chapter 3 and verse 14 he says but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart do not boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual demonic from where envy and self-seeking exist confusion and every evil thing are there wisdom it's earthly wisdom that you're hooking into you're hooking into you're, you've got a heavenly wisdom versus an earthly wisdom and now all of a sudden we see the difference if I want to be the good guy and try to do my best to strive, but the problems keep coming and they keep slamming me and they keep knocking me down and I can't move forward and I just stay in that one spot and I stay in that groove and I just never seem to ever get anywhere and such and I'm staying mean and I'm ornery and nobody wants to be around me and I'm ugly and all kinds of stuff that's going on there and stuff. Then when I stay in that place, well, the ugly part is probably not, you know, you can probably be ugly and nice, but... <clears throat> When I stay in that kind of thing like that, when I'm moving in that way, then 
<clears throat> that is earthly wisdom. And if I'm clinging to earthly wisdom, then I'm defeated. And then I don't move and I don't work and things aren't happening for me. Keep your mind on the things above. As Paul lays this stuff out in Colossians, he's teaching us and showing us the way that we can be blessed and we can gain the resurrection power in our life so things are different. And I can put to death that junk that's plaguing me and tearing me down and beating me up. Those are the kind of things that I need to get rid of. He's telling us how to do it. We can do this. I don't have to stay in this junk anymore. This kind of wisdom is killing me. I can't move in this earthly wisdom and maintain a relationship with God. And so these things here are envy, rivalries, and selfish ambitions in our heart, pride. They're in defiance of the truth. With these things come confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all kinds of evil and vile practices. But the help here is in verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wisdom from above, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, free from doubt. This is important. In godly wisdom, there is no doubt. You know where you belong. You know where you're supposed to be. You know where your focus is. You know what you're supposed to do. I don't know, brother. You know, I've been praying and... You know, God isn't telling me, you know, what should I do, you know, and and stuff, you know. Should I move in with her or not? What should I do? What does the Bible tell you to do? You're not supposed to do that. You know better than that, you know. I don't have to seek God for things I already know the answer to. I think it was Andrew Murray that said, you know, the only stupid question is the one that you already know the answer to. You know, it's like, you know... uh, You know, we like to say, there's no stupid questions, man. Ask your question. Well, you know what? God says, yeah, that's a stupid question because I already told you what to do. You know, don't get caught up in that nonsense. You know, wisdom from above is pure and peaceable, gentle, willing. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you are at peace... If you are walking in peace, if you are in the wisdom of God and you got your eyes and your focus on Him and you are at peace in heart, then the fruit that comes from that is going to be sown in peace. And then you have no doubts. You know where you're at. You know where you belong. You know what's going on. And then, then that is then eaten and received by others because that's what fruit is for. Because as you see that, then it's consumed by someone else. And then they can come to know Him. You know, when, when we just sang, you know, we're talking about being a light, you know, and, and these kinds of things. And as we sing these songs of worship, there's many times when we sing them and I'm like going, man, I can't sing this. I don't even know how I can sing this. Because I don't do that. I don't even think that way, you know. Oh, we sing you know, the old songs, but we don't... But with this, it changes things. It makes all of a sudden those songs real and, and understandable. 
And it brings a light to the Word as we begin to grow in Him and to know Him and to seek that redemption, that spiritual and moral redemption that, that you have been saved with. That is the power that you want in your life to deal with the sin that's there. That's what we want. And it's already there. You're already saved. Your life is in Him. Have, you know, that victory here. And Paul, he didn't obtain it. He, it wasn't his yet. He was right there and that's what he wanted. But he said, as we're growing in Him and as we mature, let's be of the same mind and want that same thing. Can you imagine if we all sought Christ on everything as a group together? Man, you know, this place would glow on its own. You know, we'd go around like Moses with glowing hair and stuff, you know, and everybody would go, whoa, what's that? You know, maybe not, but you know what I'm saying. Back in Colossians 9, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And this is important because when God gives us something here, he's already told us about fornication and uncleanliness and anger and wrath and filthy language and all that stuff. And then he puts in here, don't lie. This is important. If you want to keep that selfish thing going on and stuff, then you tell little white lies and this lie becomes a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one and pretty soon it's all you're back into the same old junk again. Beware of this and don't allow yourself to get carried away by this. You can be, you know, really handling all of the big stuff that's coming along, but you kind of save face by, you know, throwing out little lies and stuff all the time. Be careful of this. And he makes a point to make sure we know this by putting it in here straight up. Don't lie to one another because you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. We are clothed with a new spiritual self, which is being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image of Him who created it. You are continually being renewed and remolded into the image of Him who saved you the one that has saved you, the one that has redeemed you, the one that given you life, that has snatched you out of hell and brought you up and you are alive in Him, that one is molding and reshaping you and you are being made into His image here. Allow Him to do it. Ask Him to do it. Seek it. Pray against those things that bring you down and are cast in your way and those limbs that ever grow and grasp and hold on to you and keep you in those places that you don't belong. You can talk with Brad, those that, that you know, overcome in addiction, those that have a problem. You know, everybody that's successful when it comes to addiction have always come to the realization that their addiction gets in the way of their relationship with God. And they've got to get rid of it because their focus is on Christ and that's what they desire more than the thing that they have to use. And when it comes to that, that's the change. That's when all of a sudden everything becomes, you know, real. And Christ is the reality, not the thing that you're using to keep yourself just moving ahead and just trying to maintain. That's where it's at. 
That's His desire for us. And we can put any kind of sin in there. We don't have to just say, oh, I'm not addicted to anything. Yeah, you are. You're addicted to sin. And if you're addicted to sin, then that junk is in your life and it's messing you up. And we've got to get rid of it and change it. We've got to put it to death. He says that. And then he says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised. Circumcised. I think we covered that before, I believe. Didn't we? Well, then we won't go there. Then. Okay, then we will move ahead then from that. In this new creation, you know, all distinctions vanish. No difference in people or nation Christ is all and in all. He's everything, everywhere, to all men without distinction of, of person. There isn't anybody better than or less than. It doesn't matter. It's all about Him. And that's where we want to be. We want to strive to attain the spiritual and moral resurrection that has lifted us from the dead. While we are here in this body, in this place. You are alive in Christ. You are, your life is hidden with Him. That redemptive power that has saved you, that has raised you from the dead, that you want to live. You want that evident in you. Don't allow problems to come up and, and beat you up and thrash you and dictate your life. Allow Him to heal that, to put those things to death. And to grow on knowledge upon knowledge in Him so that you're changed and different. And that no longer dictates your life. He dictates your life. And in that, we have no doubts. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are in awe of You. Lord, we, we love You so much. And we just uh, desire to ever know You better. Lord, we desire that spiritual and moral redemptive power that you saved us with. We pray, Father, that you will take that and just just uh, make it so that's our walk, that that's our desire, that, that our whole focus and being is upon you and upon that so that we can ever know you better, Lord. We love you, Lord. We, we praise you. We thank you that you saved us. And we just want to glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. If everybody